Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Take to heart these words which I enjoin on you today. This is called the Shema Israel. It's the most important prayers that the Jews pray. And they pray it every single day, twice a day. Once in the morning and once in the evening. And it serves as a sort of conscious exam. Like, am I living up to this? Am I living this in my life? But my favorite part about it is when they pray it, they close their eyes and put their hand over their face. It's actually in the law for them to do that as a sign of shutting out the world and remembering their duty before God to love Him above all things. I don't know if you've ever heard of the famous Jewish psychologist, Viktor Frankl. He wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And it's a memoir of his four years that he spent in Auschwitz concentration camp. And as he witnessed the heart-wrenching atrocities all around him for four years, he lost everything in his life there. He had one question in his mind. What is man? Who are we? And at one point, he was given the job, a very difficult job, of removing the bodies from the gas chambers and taking them away after they had died. Day after day, he had to do this. And at one point, he lifted up the body of a young man who had in his hand clutching a piece of paper. And when he pulled that paper out, written on it were the words of the Shema Israel. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. So powerful was this moment for him that it served as the final conclusion, the last lines in his book, and the answer to his question on what does it mean to be a human being? This is what he said. A human being is ultimately self-determining. What he becomes, he has made out of himself by his own decisions. In the concentration camp, we witnessed some of our people behave like swine, while others behaved like saints. Man has both potentialities within himself. After all, man is that being who invented the gas chambers of Auschwitz. However, he is also that being who walked into those very gas chambers upright with the Shema Israel on his lips. What makes a difference between what we become, the swine or the saint, as Viktor Frankl says? One of the scariest thoughts I've had to come to terms with is if I lived in Germany in the 1930s as a 30-year-old man, I would probably be a Nazi. If I lived in the South in the 1800s, most likely I would be a racist. Why? Because the most natural thing in this world is to assimilate our culture in, our, in ourselves. It's morals, it's customs, 
its ideals, and most especially, its sins. The norm is to do whatever your particular society says is okay. That's the norm. Only those who are willing to step outside of that, to cover their eyes, and to look to God with the oath of fidelity on their lips, will learn to see otherwise. Because rather than learning how to act by according to prevailing opinions of their present culture, God Himself will reveal to them His unchanging truths, the, cha- the truths that remain as the cultures continually change. That's the difference between the swine and the saint. One looks to the world to learn how he should act, saying and justifying to himself, everybody else is doing it. The other looks to God with a vow upon his lips, and God himself teaches him what is right, even if nobody else is doing it. What inspired this homily was just this last week, some prisoners invited me to go see the Gosnell movie. I was very thankful that they did. I couldn't eat after watching it. It's about an abortion doctor who committed thousands upon thousands of late-term abortions even after the baby had already been born. But what was most disturbing about the film is you see just how numb they had become to what they were doing. The doctors, the nurses, the patients, the aides, the lawyers, the politicians. Their consciences were absolutely dead. And they totally justified what they were condoning. And for one one reason, because it was prevalent. Because everybody else knew about it and everybody else was involved. So how could it be wrong? It reminded me of the Nuremberg trials. After World War II, Nazi generals were put on trial for war crimes. They showed no remorse. They felt nothing wrong with what they had done. Because they said it was just what everybody was telling us to do at that time. They were just going along with the culture, so they felt no pity in it. How many things do we do? How many things do we believe in our time for the mere purpose that everybody else condones it? That our society at the present moment justifies it? No one would ever agree with what took place in the concentration camps. Here. Now. No one would ever agree with enslaving an African American. Here, now. No one would ever agree with a father selling his daughter to another man to get married for profit. Here, now. Why? Because we're outside of it. That's not our society. Because these things aren't socially acceptable here and now in our time. So we're all so quick to say it's wrong. We must ask ourselves though, what are the sins of our times? What are the things that we have gone along with? 
in our times for the mere purpose that everybody else is going along with it. That it's no longer a surprise to hear about it because it's socially acceptable. That's how sin works in every single age. It's okay as long as it's the norm. Just don't break the social norm of what is socially acceptable and you can literally get away with murder. So just ask yourself, you as a Catholic in the 21st century, how have you shown yourself to be different from atheists? When was the last time someone looked at you and said, you're not like us. You go by a different set of rules. You're living a different way. Are we the salt of the earth or have we lost our flavor? Are we the light in the darkness or have we been dimmed to be just like everybody else in America in our times? This is why the Jews covered their eyes when they said the Shema. They covered their eyes to their present state, to the prevailing opinions, to what is socially acceptable of their times, so that they could look to God, so that God could tell them himself what is true and how they should act. They closed their eyes only so that they could open them again in their world and not be swept away with it. How often during the week do you close your eyes to look to God so that He can inform your actions and your belief system? And that's why we all need to look to the saints. That's the most efficacious way to get outside of your culture to know the truth. You look at the lives of the saints. Because the saints are the ones who didn't allow themselves to be swept away with what was socially acceptable in their times. They looked to God and they acted according to God, not man. As Victor, Victor Frankl concluded in his book, human beings are ultimately self-determining. What we become we have made of ourselves by our own decisions. Every time we look at God, every time we close our eyes and look to Him, He teaches us the decisions we must make to act in the world. That's how we become saints, by looking at Christ and by loving Him. It's that simple. But that's also how we become swine, by looking at the culture and by loving it more than God. It's that easy. That's why in one moment here, we will all look upon God in the flesh. We will all look upon the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world in the form of broken bread and wine. When you receive Him into your heart, close your eyes. Look at Him and say to Him a word that will heal your soul. Say to Him, the Shema Israel, I love You, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my strength. 
And when you stand up from here and you walk into this world, you will do so upright with the Lord's prayer on your lips. And everybody who watches you will know that the Lord is your God. Take to heart these words which I enjoin on you today.